Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. Confronted almost daily with images of marine debris filling the bellies of dead whales, headlines about climate change, and emerging stories about America's broken recycling system. Consumers increasingly are worried about single-use plastic and packaging waste and are pressuring government and CPG industry players to find solutions. According to recent research from the Consumer Brands Association, 88% of the more than 2,000 U.S. adults that surveyed in the fall said they were concerned about the environment. A near equal 87% expressed concern about single-use plastic and packaging waste, and 86% said the world is facing a plastic and packaging crisis. If these numbers sound high, CBA says it's because they are, especially when compared to other key societal issues. The trade group's research revealed that Americans' concern about the environment and plastic waste is far higher than the 45% who expressed concern about fixing crumbling infrastructure or the 40% who noted ensuring access to health care is important or the 38% who cited reducing the deficit. While most survey respondents said that the federal government needs to take a leadership role in tackling packaging waste, many CPG companies are proactively looking for ways to eliminate single-use packaging and increase packaging sustainability. Indeed, CBA found the top 25 largest CPG companies have committed to increasing recycling, minimizing packaging, and reusing material and 80% are working towards 100% recyclable packaging for all of their products by 2030. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, the technical director of the Chicago-based research intelligence company Prescouters CPG practice, Daniel Morales, shines a light on how some companies are making their packaging more sustainable. These include innovative initiatives by Coca-Cola Company, Danone, Nestle, and others. He also shares how these initiatives are not only helping the planet, but giving brands a competitive edge. Americans have been recycling, or at least sorting, aluminum, plastic, and paper from trash for decades. But Morales explains that this is no longer enough, and that consumers and companies must work together to create a more circular economy that can more effectively address the rapidly growing environmental threat posed by single-use plastic and packaging. The the report that we had released was really um, framed by this idea of a circular economy, which essentially is um, whatever inputs that go into creating products um, for consumers, how do we design them to minimize waste and pollution, to keep those inputs within the loop, if you will, so how to reuse them, whether that's upcycled or downcycled, and then also ensuring that the sources of the inputs into those products um, are staying healthy, whether that's, you know, land for growing crops. So within the framework of the circular economy, um, we were looking at the food and beverage space within CPG, and then even within that, looking in particular at um, initiatives 
focused on packaging um, and how uh, can we um, design packaging, whether that's plastic or pulp-based, um, so that instead of ending up in our landfills, it can be reused um, as long as possible. In the U.S., the answer to this question is complicated by today's municipality-by-municipality or county-by-county approach to recycling, which, in addition to being highly fragmented and a varying scope, has limited efficacy. According to Prescouter, North America's current recycling infrastructure covers at most 10% of post-consumer plastics, and today's supply of recycled plastics meets just 6% of real demand. And while these are grim figures, Morales knows that the problem opened the door for new players with new solutions into today's complex plastic recycling, some of which are profiled in Prescouter's recently released report, Towards a Circular Economy, Zero Waste Technologies and Initiatives. We've been recycling plastic for a long time, but typically it's thermoplastics that are relatively easy to recycle because they can be melted down and reused. So polyethylene terephthalate or PET being the most common. Um, one of the most recent drivers to, um, for many company, or countries now assessing or looking into new recycling technologies is because China um, recently, I believe 2016, 2017, um, through their initiative called National Sword, um, actually stopped taking um, imported plastic for recycling. And they were the predominant country dealing with plastic recycling waste um, for many countries. So now they're, they're looking internally what infrastructure do we have? How do we deal with our own um, plastic waste streams now? This has opened up the opportunity for um, many emerging um, startups and new players coming up with innovative and interesting ways to deal with complex plastic recycling streams, um, whether that is plastic that has food residues on it, mixed plastic waste. So you think of a candy wrapper, for example, that is actually multiple layers of different plastics. How do you separate them efficiently and create um, output streams that can be, then be reused as new products? Or even the pigments in, um, you have the same plastic, but it's all different colors. How do you separate the pigments efficiently? So it's by um, forcing um, countries to look at recycling um, to deal with the challenge they didn't have to because we were exporting it, it's driving this growth and in, in innovation because there's opportunities for companies that can solve these challenging recycling problems with complex input streams. Among the companies making strides in creating a circular economy for plastic in a cost-effective industrial way is Ionica, which Morales noted recently teamed with Indorama Ventures' Coca-Cola Mars Circular to make bottles for Coca-Cola that are made from 25% recycled marine plastics that have been retrieved from the seas and beaches. Ionica is a one of uh, – so uh, many com companies, as I mentioned, are tackling challenges for complex input PET streams. So PET is the predominant plastic used for our, our, our beverages. 
Um, so they have an, an innovative technology that was actually developed at um, Eindhoven University. Um, and so this company is a spinoff from their tech um, where they, they created a really interesting way to remove the pigment from uh, multicolored plastic waste. Um, and the actual the output from their process is actually the monomer form, uh, so the virgin material that's used that's polymerized to create PET. Um, so this means that you can actually um, ideally reuse the through the recycling process. You can um, ideally, as, as long as you, as long as you can efficiently create that monomer, you can continually create bottles uh, forever. Um, the kind of differentiator here is they've come up with a neat trick of utilizing magnetic uh, particles um, that after you've melted down the mul uh, multiple colored plastic waste, uh, the pigment can actually absorb onto the magnetic particles. Then you can use a magnetic field to recollect those magnetic particles and remove all the pigment. And then you just have the clear virgin PET. This initiative has been um, championed by Coca-Cola as well as Indorama, who is the largest PET manufacturer in the world, I believe. Um, so they've um, recently done a, um, a pilot trial uh, by harvesting plastic from marine uh, waste which is really neat, and they created uh, Coke bottles from that. Just this year, Indorama um, invested $25 million, um, into a PET recycling company called Green Fiber International. Um, so I think it's promising and very interesting that these big players are really looking into um, companies with innovative recycling um, solutions. Danone also is tackling the problem of plastic bottles by partnering with the waste and water management company Viola, which is a key player in the plastic circular economy and has created a more streamlined way to repurpose PET that reduces CO2 gas emissions by 70%. Uh, Veolia, which is a, a large uh, waste and recycling company, also has an interesting initiative in partnership with Danon. Um, and essentially, the differentiator there is they have a technology they call the UnPET hybrid technology. And essentially, instead of converting PET to its monomer form, they're 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 melting it down back into a, a polymerized state that can then be used um, to create bottles again. Um, but they actually uh, are able to avoid um, having to melt the PET. It was hard to find details regarding, I think that's the proprietary technology here, but essentially it's a very energy efficient um, process um, compared to traditional PET recycling. Um, so this has been championed, as I, as I mentioned, with Dannon, um, and they just as recently as May 2019 um, created a large um, recycling factory in Indonesia to um, produce 25,000 tons of recycled PET per year. So that's another exciting initiative um, regarding the uh, beverage um, 
circular economy specifically. As part of Danon's Indonesia brand's Aqua's initiative to reduce 70% of plastic waste output by 2025 and to make all of its packaging either 100% reusable, compostable, or recyclable by 2025, the company has teamed with Repal Indonesia to convert its water bottle labels that are made from plastic into pallets. The Essentially, their differentiator, or what their technology is what they're calling this thermofusion processing. And really, the, the challenge they're tackling is when you're dealing with labels, um, you now have a mixed plastic stream. So the question is, how do you separate the mixed plastics into their individual um, output streams? Um, while maintaining as high as purity as possible um, so that you can then have separate plastic outputs that can be used to create different types of products. Um, so really that's their, their focus is that this Repal has this patented thermofusion process which is, can really efficiently um, separate and recycle these mixed plastic streams with the predominant stream being the labels. Um, from these bottles. So once you once you have that that virgin plastic output stream, um, the nice thing is you can create whatever you want with it. So you could create new labels, you could create other bottles, um, and that's really where the business strategy comes in. Is you, you know you ideally you end up with something that's more valuable than the cost of the recycling process to get that output stream. So really your, your target is what, whatever would create the most value, whether that's recreating labels, creating bottles, or creating different plastic products altogether. Recycling is only one of the three R's popularized in the 1980s by the environmental movement, with the second being reusing which Pre-Scouters report shows is an increasingly popular option among CPG brands trying to improve their sustainability. Recycling is an important unit operation of this idea of circular economy, but for recycling, you know, that requires um, a, lot of, a lot of inputs. You have to, you have to retrieve the waste. There's the logistics that needs to be sent to a recycling center then there's the unit ops to actually do the recycling process. Um, so as an alternative, um, what are the opportunities for simply reusing products? So along the vein of reusability, there, there's an interesting collaboration we highlighted between Nestle and TerraCycle. And TerraCycle in general has been very involved in um, championing technologies for companies looking for solutions within the circular economy space. Um, and the, um, with this idea of, of reusability as opposed to recycling, um, the TerraCycle Nestle collaboration um, is uh, to actually use stainless steel containers as reusable and refillable containers for their Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Um, you know, the, the challenge here is retrieving those containers. Uh, so it's almost um, almost going back to an idea about the milkman bringing your, your milk in glass and coming and retrieving the bottles, um, but applying that type of idea to uh, refillable canisters 
for your ice cream. Um, so it, it, it's almost a deceptively simple idea, but if you have the logistics infrastructure to, um, you have enough people participating in the program and you can re retrieve and refill the canisters, and that's a very simple way. There's there's no waste stream there, right? We're simply reusing um, canisters that um, won't require recycling um, processes. One of the interesting aspects of this approach is that Haagen-Dazs is incentivizing consumers to not only return the used containers, but to also buy the brand again when they restock on frozen desserts by offering them a discount on their next purchase. So while managing packaging is a huge sustainability challenge for the CPG industry, Morales notes that managing food waste is another element of the circular economy to which brands should pay attention. When we're talking about circular economy and food, you can also think about the food itself um, without the packaging. So how do we prevent food waste streams from being sent to a landfill and really um, thinking about examples of reusing or upcycling those food streams. So once again, there's a logistics issue with how do we get, and this really goes down to what occurs at the waste center. You have a mix of plastic and you have food waste. If we can efficiently separate that food waste, there's so many opportunities. Um, for anaerobic digestion, creating healthy compost from food waste that can then be used to fertilize the land that then creates the food that we're eating. Um, so in thinking with that mindset of a, a food-based circular economy, it really can, that what it requires is almost operating, uh, this would need to be municipality-driven, but operating um, locally, um, and the benefits there are increasing transparency and knowing where your food comes from, um, you um, ensuring that your food waste is going back to your local waste center that is then processed, um, it may perhaps into the compost that directly goes back to the farm that created your food. Um, but there's other opportunities for that food waste outside of composting. Um, for example, making, uh, utilizing that to create feed for other animals or livestock, or also creating um, fish feed, for example. Um, so I, I just wanted to circle back briefly because when we, you know, when we talk about food and beverage, the, the plastics is a huge challenge, and, and, but the, and it should be noted, but there's also the food waste stream. that There's opportunities there for creating a circular economy just with the food waste, which wasn't really highlighted in this report, but I, I just think it's per, important to note when we're talking about food and beverage circular economy. While CPG companies continue to make advances in the circular economy, they can only take the issue so far without help from the consumer, which Morales says is pivotal to long-term success. The idea of circular economy in food and beverage is that large companies are investing in these, these small companies that have innovative solutions, 
uh, starting at a pilot plant or initiative and then, you know, gauging the business case and success of that initiative. Um, obviously, one big um, aspect of that success is consumer buy-in, um, and that's when we get into the marketing side. Um, so, for example, um, if you – obviously, we would want to buy products that, that we know that if, if we throw that product away, um, it's going to – Either uh, we know it's going to be recycled or it's going to fully biodegrade in the environment. Um, one, one challenge we have from the marketing aspect is the overlap in the kind of eco-friendly sustainability jargon that is utilized on, on the packaging. Um, and so how do we cut through that? Um, it's having... Um, trustworthy standards in place so that when you see a standard, you know that it's actually going to biodegrade or that it's fully recyclable. The challenge there is one aspect is consumer education. Um, as a consumer, do you understand the difference between biodegradability, compostability, upcycling, downcycling, um, and then regarding biodegradability itself. So, you know, technically everything biodegrades after a certain duration. When we're talking about biodegradability, ideally it's, it biodegrades within, you know, a few weeks, a few months, and then to what degree does it biodegrade? And that's been a challenge from standards standpoint. There are ASTM and European standards in place that you can you can have a um, a package and say it meets this standard, but many times the criteria are simply okay. After six weeks, it biodegrades seventy percent. So you have still plastic particles left. What happens at the actual end of life? Is it being converted by microorganisms into? Environmental, environmentally benign products, or are you simply resulting in microplastics in the environment? So it's not really solving um, the challenge. Um, so th these are different aspects of creating buy-in on the consumer side, which will help drive the success of these initiatives. And then on the other end, of course, is just um, legislation is driving these changes. And as we get more buy-in, from um, governments around the world, um, that will also be a hand guiding us toward these, finding the most op optimal initiative for everyone. Because there will always be those people who litter rather than recycle or reuse, Morales says industry is considering ways to reduce the impact of plastic bottles in these situations by creating additives for plastic that promote safe and efficient biodegradation of plastics out in the environment? Um, I think a next step there is looking at alternatives to petrochemical-based plastics altogether. Um, so this is um, a class of polymers that we're calling bio-based. How can we use, um, how can we create polymers from biological input streams, whether that's crops, or whether that's for microorganisms that can actually create monomers that we can use to create polymers. 
So there's a lot of work being done in trying to create bio-based polymers that have the same functionality and performance and characteristics of traditional petrochemical-based polymers and also manufacturing them cheaply. Um, one, one word of caution here is bio-based does not inherently mean that the polymer will degrade in the environment. Um, and I, I've seen that mix up quite a bit. It's great to have a different input source for polymers, but you would still need either a recycling process or a way to ensure that it biodegrades safely in the environment. But I see bio-based polymers as um, yeah, hopefully being ubiquitously utilized in the next five to ten years. And with that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.